instead of looking for greener grass, make your grass greener. If you want to experience joy and restore that even in the work you do, instead of saying, Aalis na ako dito, I will leave this environment that's so toxic, have you asked yourself the question, maybe you are the toxic person and you need to help effect some change? You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening! Today, as we carry on with our series on work, I have the privilege of delivering a message to all of you. Today, I am a messenger, and what I want to open up with is a little bit of where we're at. I want to give you some good news, bad news. I've discovered from this survey that one out of two Filipino workers feels overworked. Second piece of information. Did you know that one out of four Filipinos are thinking of quitting their jobs due to stress, anxiety, and depression? Some added news regarding this is that there is a rise of presenteeism. What is presenteeism? This is where you are present, but you're not present. Maybe some of you are going through that even as we speak right now. Whether you're here live or you're watching online, you're here, but you're not here. You're present, but you're not really present. There's so many things racing your minds and hearts. Like I said, Wait for it. I'm a messenger of some good news of joy from Jesus for you all. A lot of people want to feel joy, 90%. But those that feel joy are very little. There's a big gap. So what do we do, friends? What do we do given that this is the bad news? What is the good news we have? Let me give it to you. The good news is, I love this verse. Weeping may last through the night but joy comes with the morning. You know what I realized is as we look at that big backdrop of the problems of work, even working from home and the challenges that many of us are feeling and experiencing, as I mentioned, the joy will come in the morning and even greater news is joy is the antidote. Look at Jesus' example in Hebrews 12 verse two verse over here on the slide. It says, Jesus, as we fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy, can everybody say joy? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, I want to encourage you with that thought, that Jesus himself was able to endure, overcome through joy. The joy set before him. This is the antidote for us. And today, our simple thought, the simple message, work with joy. Go ahead, guys. Work with joy. How can we have joy as we go about our life and our work and the things we're doing? Can anybody tell me who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? I can hear you barely through the masks. Anybody? How about our DFAM? Anybody? Solomon. All right. Solomon wrote this, and I asked myself, who's got a great track record as far as work? And as I was spending my own quiet time with God, reading and studying, I came across Ecclesiastes, and I realized Solomon had quite a bit of accomplishments as far as work is concerned. He became very wealthy, had a lot of wisdom, built a lot of stuff. So we want to unpack Ecclesiastes and see what can we learn about having joy through the work? How can we see this solution transform us? The book of Ecclesiastes is kind of sad, 
from all the other stuff that Solomon wrote, the Proverbs, we see his life. It's sad because there's a lot of things that say, you know what, everything's meaningless. You see there, vanity, vanity of doing, vanity of having, vanity of being. So a lot of vanity, meaningless. So Solomon's saying, you know what, I've done a lot of stuff with my work. I've accomplished quite a bit of things. And I'm telling you something, all of this is meaningless, vanity. So he's unpacking all of that. But as he does that, this is where we insert ourselves And we will look at Ecclesiastes 5. And as we look at it here, it's interesting that given that backdrop, everything's meaningless, everything's vain. In Filipino, dinaanan ko na yan. Na-experience ko na lahat yan. Given all of that, everything's meaningless, all is vain. Solomon says something very, very interesting. He says it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work. So, I found it very interesting as I was studying this, I realized, what is God trying to remind us of? Given that backdrop, everything is meaningless, everything is in vain, Solomon is actually taking a step back and he's helping all of us, the readers, to say, guys, step back. Amidst all of that, I found something good. Can everybody say good? He said good. And as he highlighted this, it's important for us to now pay attention. What is that good thing? And he says, this is what is good, to enjoy our work. So I ask the question, what does that mean? What does it mean that it is good to enjoy our work? When the Bible says it is good for us to enjoy our work, it is for us to be able to taste and see that God is good. The Bible tells us how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So let me ask a question for you. Wherever you find yourself working, once again, it could be as an employee, a business owner, you could be a student, that's your work, making sure you do your studies well, or you could be a a homemaker like my wonderful wife. Whatever that workplace situation might be, my question to all of us is this. Have we been able to experience what is pleasing, what is good, a full measure of that, and taste and see that God is good. Point number one, you can be a joy giver. Look to create opportunities for other people to experience joy. You could be in the workplace as a corporate guy, business owner. You could be a student or you could be a homemaker. Like I mentioned, my wife, she gave me permission to share this. She's homeschooling our kids and this is part of her work. Right? She homeschools our kids. She takes care of me, our house. And she was telling me that at one point, so we've been homeschooling forever. Many of you that know our story, she's been homeschooling forever. One of our daughters, who will remain anonymous, one day said, Mom, I hate homeschooling. So at first, when she heard that, and I heard that, we were in shock. We're like, no way. This is like what we've been building and advocating our whole lives. This is like... How are we going to respond to this? Our daughter hates homeschooling. That's like not allowed in the Mendoza household, right? So we step back and my wife stepped back. She's like, huh, why? So she asked the question. And as she was processing this big statement, my wife was very honest. After that, she was smiling to that, but she talked to me, said, honey, so my wife, Joy, is a very joyful person. But in the rare moments that there is no joy, I get concerned. So she was like this. She goes, honey, what am I going to do? Our daughter does not like to homeschool. I feel like a failure as a mother. I feel like all these years I put in all these things, I've been saying all the talks you've been giving is like a fail, fail, fail. I was like, okay, how can I encourage my wife? And you know, as we processed it and we prayed, here's the blessing that I had. 
as my wife processed it. You know what she said? She said, I realized the problem was not our daughter, the anonymous daughter that said that. My wife said, it's not even a problem of whether she can handle the homeschooling because my wife actually did this. For those that are homeschooling, this is a homeschooling insider joke. She said, you know what? If you don't like homeschooling, I'll send you back to school. It's a homeschooling joke, right? School is amazing. I went to school. But she said that, and she said that didn't work, you know. And as they talked about it, she said, I realized the problem was me. My wife said, I'm the problem. It's not my daughter. It's not my daughter's capacity. It's me. So how can I be a blessing to her? How can I help her revive the joy in this experience? And you know what my wife did? She said, it's not the academics. It's not the homeschooling rigor. It's my relationship. I'm forgetting that at the core of our relationship, which will allow for a good learning experience, is a mom-daughter discipleship. So she started to do that, and she said she wasn't a very good model of joy also because she would kind of lose her cool at times with this daughter. It's like, ah, oh, why don't you get this? And she's getting frustrated. So that's kind of what she realized. It is actually her. So, so when she decided to change that, and I'm looking at my notes here, she started to hug her more. And as she hugged her more, she started using more affirming words instead of showing that she was frustrated. She said, I'm so blessed, dear daughter Anonymous, that you are trying your best. And she focused on the effort. That's a great parenting reminder for all of us. You want to be a blessing to your kids? Focus on the effort. So my wife was encouraging her. And as she did this, she started having separate times to just build a relationship. She did girl time. She would go shopping with this daughter. And as she did these things, you know what happened? That daughter's heart changed. When I interviewed this anonymous daughter very recently, I wanted to make sure I could share this story. I said, hey, anonymous daughter, how's the homeschooling now? You know what she said? It's so fun. And I praise God that she shared that because what are we learning? If we want to restore joy, don't focus so much on what will happen to you but instead ask, how can I give joy? How can I strengthen my relationship with my daughter in the case of my wife? How can I be a blessing to her and help do that so that she will restore her joy, I will restore my joy? We need to be a joy giver. So that is this first point. Let's move on. I encourage us to think about this. Instead of looking for greener grass, it's my brother-in-law who encouraged me with this line. I love this line. Instead of looking for greener grass, make your grass greener. If you want to experience joy and restore that, even in the work you do, instead of saying, Aalis na ako dito. I will leave this environment that's so toxic. Have you asked yourself the question, maybe you are the toxic person and you need to help effect some change and make it greener first that you might be a joy giver. My dad, God bless his wisdom, he told me, son, in the major decisions of your life in work, you need to make sure you remember this principle. If you are not happy where you are, how will you know you will be happy where you go? That's a great reminder for all of us. So if you're experiencing challenging circumstances, principle number one, be a joy giver. What's our second point? As we look at Ecclesiastes, let's move on. So we've seen that the first thing the Bible is telling us to work with joy is to have these experiences of what is pleasant and good and not just to wait for it. Let's create it. Let's be joy givers. The second is this. It says, uh, they've seen under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. What does that mean? It is good 
for us to enjoy our work, but the Bible is also saying to accept their lot in life. Now, these are big words, big words. I want to unpack this by reminding us of a few things. First, when we say accept our lot in life, could it be that the reason you don't have joy in your work right now is because, or it's been robbed, is because we are deeply not happy and unsatisfied and discontent. The Bible tells us that godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Could this be the message that God has for you so that you might restore that joy? You're not content. You're ungrateful. We're ungrateful. That is possibly why we're losing our joy. So my question is, as the Bible says, are you content with your lot in life right now? The Bible tells us to give thanks in everything. So I do not know your circumstances. But could it be that even as you look at it, you're just not grateful? You know, my one daughter, who will also remain anonymous, she is one of our most spunky, joyful daughters. When we were first doing this culture of praying at the dinner table, I remember her one day, she said, okay, it's my turn. She was very young. She said, dear Jesus, thank you for the wind. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the chair. Thank you for the table. Thank you for my mommy. Thank you for my daddy. And as she kept going, thanking God for literally everything, my sons who were older said, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so why do I share that with all of you? That's kind of the heart of it. Regardless of what's going on around us, there's actually a lot that we can be thankful for. Are we content with our circumstances? Now, I need to be very clear here. Contentment is not complacency. Ito, hanggang dito na lang ako. So... I'll just accept my lot in life. That's not what the Bible is saying. Contentment is the spirit of gratefulness, but it does not lead us to idleness, to laziness, to that defeatist mindset of, eto, hanggang dito na lang ako. That's it. That's my lot in life. Instead, I like how the Bible reminds us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Can everyone say timid? But instead of power and love and discipline. That's the spirit that God has given us. So if we are to be grateful or content, it is not to be complacent. It is to do, and I love this picture here. I love this line of Martin Luther King Jr. As he was encouraging some young people. He says, what I'm saying to you this morning, my friends, even if it falls in your lot to be a street sweeper, go on out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. That's what it means. Hindi yung eto, hanggang dito na ako, that's it. I am going to do the best I can right now. If I'm going to be a policeman, I'm going to dance. I'm going to enjoy this. If I'm going to be a street sweeper, I'm going to do it like this is the best job in the world. Are you with me? That's this spirit. Lord, thank you that I have a job. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Despite the circumstances, this is how I can restore joy into what I am doing, into the work that I'm doing. Now, as we look at gratefulness, I wanted to highlight something that really impacted me very recently as I was reading and studying. I came across this book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it is an altogether message of its own. But the highlight here is even as we are not being complacent, 
we're being grateful and content in our circumstances, but moving and letting God lead us, it's so important that we do this. We need to ask ourselves, what are my limitations? He says, we live in a culture that wants to transgress this, not accept them, to cheat time, space, watch every new film, read every book, travel to every country, rise to the top of every field, win every award, make a list of who's who. And as we're doing that, I want you to fill in the blank for yourself. What is it that you aspire to do that possibly is creating so much stress in your life? Do you want to be the next Elon Musk? And you're going after money. And you're thinking, it's okay. You know what? I can do all things, right? But it's creating all this unhealthy stress. And the Bible says, in the pursuit of all that, it can lead to all sorts of dis disturbances, stress, challenges, problems. Are you trying to imagine yourself doing things that God is saying, this isn't actually what I have for you? Could it be that is the reason? For example, I love how he closes. He says, what if these limitations aren't something to fight but to gratefully accept as a signpost to God's call on our souls? Could it be that God's saying, the reason why you have limits is not because I want to limit you, but I want you to enjoy the boundaries of those limits and to thrive there. For example, you know, in the parenting space, when you tell your children, and you've seen many of these in movies and other places, you can be anything you want or you can do anything your heart says you can be or anything you put your mind to be, that is, I hate to say this, nonsense. Nonsense. If I told that to my son and he went to the top of this building and said, I can be Superman, Dad, and he jumps off, what's going to happen? He can't be Superman. He can't stop a bullet. He can't stop a speeding train. There's no way that that can. Are you following me? So it's not a healthy thing to say. We do not tell our children, you know, you can do anything you want to be or be anything you want to be. You can do anything your heart sets yourself to do or your mind thinks. Instead, what I encourage us to say is this. When we look at these limitations or the things God has given us, we want to say, you can be whatever God wants you to be. Gratefully accepting means to focus on what you can do within these limits, not what you cannot. So there is a student that I knew that was very skinny and he wanted to do athletic things that were beyond his strength capacity. He didn't have the strength to do other athletic uh, particular sports. He couldn't do the sprints with all the other peers. So he was tempted to lose his joy as a student until his dad or his guardian reminded him, hey, you know what? You are skinny for a reason. God gave that design of your body so that he could use it. So why don't you try something else? He tried distance running and became an outstanding athlete in that school in the area of distance running. That's a simple example of how we can reframe and say, okay, God, these limits are not to limit me, but to help me really thrive because that's why I'm built, designed to be this way. Are you with me? All right. I love how Paul modeled this for all of us. For I am the least of the apostles, he says, not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God. This is one of my life verses. Really. But the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, it is really by God's grace that we are who we are and we need to embrace that. Lord, yes, even if I might not be able to do these things, that's okay because this is how you've built me and I want to thrive in that. What is our point here again as we wind down this point? Restore joy through gratitude. So when we look at the verses here, it now winds down and says, you know what? We need to remember something. If we want to work with joy, we need to realize that it is a gift from God. Can everybody say gift? 
I want you to think about the most precious gift you've ever received. And then elevate that. Because when God gives us a gift, it must be awesome. So when the Bible tells us that this is a gift of God, it's so important for us to frame it that way. We begin to see how special our work is, even if it doesn't seem like it. Because it is a gift of God. He gave it to us. We begin to see it with fresh lenses. And you know what? To be honest with you, there were times during the pandemic where because I started to realize how precious our work is, given all the things happening around us, I started to hear about horrible stories of dads having to say goodbye to their wife and children because of the war. And literally, that might be the last time they ever see them. All their accounts are gone. Everything they ever owned is gone. This is a real thing happening while I'm speaking to all of you right now. So there are times when I go to the ATM and I get emotional and I make that a worship experience and I say, God, thank you that I even have some cash to get from my account. It is such a gift from you that I have this opportunity to have income. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That's what this means. We need to raise it up and say, God, thank you for giving me the gift of this work. Could it be that that is God's message for you so that you might restore, revive the work and the joy that you are lacking so sorely in the workplace? We need to realize that it is indeed a gift of God. Now, as we look at it as a gift of God, we need to make sure it does not become the God itself. We do not place it and suddenly worship it. And maybe some of us, if we're honest with ourselves or some of you, that's why you've lost your joy. You have made your work, your sense of identity or your sense of self-worth. You're beginning to see that if I don't have this, I don't have anything. Some homeschool moms that I spoke to, you know, when, when the season ended and their son is now off to college, suddenly they're wondering, what am I going to do with my life? Because I put my whole life behind this child who I homeschool. Well, the good news is our identity is not wrought up or wound up in the work we do. Our identity should be in Christ and who he has made us to be. So that is this wonderful reminder. I like what Tim Keller says to that. It is not, right, all there is to life. You will have a meaningful life without work. You will not have a meaningful life without work, but you cannot say that your work is the meaning of your life. If you make any work the purpose of your life, what is, it, what is he saying? You create an idol that rivals God. So as we work with joy, we're asking how we can do this, we realize it could be that I have made my work my idol. And that's why I'm so stressed. Or that's why I feel like I'm successful right now, but I'm looking for something. And it's not the work. Like Solomon, I've done it. I've been there. I've been that. It's not enough because we've made it an idol. How do we resolve this? You know, I remember this one gentleman who was one of the top richest men, top 10 richest men in the UK. He was the first gentleman who was able to list his dot-com company, first dot-com listed in the UK Stock Exchange, very successful, under 30 years old, and he was buying fancy cars. If I recall correctly, he had a jet and a private chopper, and he was living the life, the life, until he got another vehicle, a, a brand-new Lamborghini. Two weeks after that, he saw a latest model, and he's like, I want that latest model. And then he started to get a conscience attack. And the long story short, he realized there's got to be something more. So he reaches out to some Filipino friends he knew. He wants to donate some money to a charity, about 3 million pesos worth, because 
He wanted to ease his conscience. And as he does that, he gets the shock because the person who's running that whole foundation is saying, we won't take your money. Why don't you come here and see what we're doing first? And then maybe we'll take your money. So this guy's shocked. He's like, who doesn't take 3 million pesos, right? Equivalent. So he goes to the Philippines, flies here, and the whole experience changes him. He realizes he's been living for all the wrong things. He's made his work, that money, an idol. So uh, long story short, he sells all of that. He puts his money behind a social enterprise. And he now treats his business as a gift of God, a stewardship taking care of his employees, and that social enterprise is now one of the most successful social enterprises in the world and has been featured in places like the World Economic Forum, etc. That gentleman is a, is a guy I've been able to guess. I've been able to meet again recently. His name is Dylan Wilk, and they're the group behind Human Heart Nature. He's a Christian. He loves God. And I was so blessed. You know, we need to be able to reframe our work and say, is this all I'm living for? Or can I look at it differently and say, Lord, this is a gift. I want to steward it the way you want. And as he did that, he experienced the joy of the Lord. And as we do that, we will experience the joy of the Lord. Friends, third point, enjoy work as God's gift. So we've looked at it is good. We can enjoy work. We want to be a joy giver. And as we're going down here, we see that, hey, you know what? Uh, we need to make sure that we are able to accept our lot in life. So, you know, I need to be grateful. Um, and then we looked down here and said, you know what? We also need to make sure that we treat it as God's gift. Finally, could it be, or actually as a wonderful bonus, verse 20 tells us, the people who are working with joy, who are enjoying it, says this. I want you to let these words really impact you. They're so busy enjoying life that they have no time to brood over the past. You see, if we are working with joy as a wonderful bonus, there will be very little regret. There will be very little looking back and saying, I wish things were the way they were. Buti pa nung hindi pandemic, ganito yung business ko, ganito yung trabaho ko. This is how my school was. This is how my, my home situation was. Maybe many of us are living with regrets right now. Many of us are carrying these burdens and that's why we're losing the joy. We're wanting things to be the way they were. You know, the Bible tells us God makes all things new. The, good new. the bad news is it will not be the way it was. But the good news is God can make it new. And this is what we want, I wanted to unpack. As we look at this, the question I have for us is, could it be that even if this is a bonus to working with joy, could it be that we are not experiencing the joy because we're still dwelling on the past? We're still stuck in it should be this way. I wish it was like this. And that is creating all sorts of discontent, anxiety, fear, worry, lack of joy. So God is trying to remind us, hey guys, I want to remind you of these things. Let me show you. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Forget that. Don't focus on that. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The, the Bible is telling us, hey guys, stop dwelling on the past. Can you look at the person beside you as we wind down to today's message? Stop dwelling on the past. Go. Stop dwelling on the past. Instead, I like how the New Testament reinforces this thought. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having laid hold of it yet. But what does the Bible say? What does Paul tell us? One thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forget what's, what's behind us. Don't let that burden you unnecessarily in an unholy way where it creates all sorts of stress and anxiety. Instead, the Bible tells us to press on. Can you say those words with me? Press on. Look at the person beside you with that encouragement. Press on. Press on. What does this mean? There are times in our life where if we are to fully restore or experience joy back in our lives and in the workplace, we need to follow the principle of motion before emotion. We do the right things because they are the right things as God has told us in order that the joy may follow. I knew of a very successful executive who shared her story very recently and she allowed me to share this. She was dwelling in the past. She had a great job, pandemic hit, life hit, changes happened. She had a different job. And initially, for a long stretch, she was dwelling on that past. You know what? I had these perks. I had all of this, all this, you know, even the prestige, all the things associated to that wonderful executive cushy position that she was in. So she was dwelling in the past, even as someone who loved Jesus, until God spoke to her heart and helped her realize, you know what? I need to forget what lies behind. I cannot dwell on that. And instead, I will press on and see what I can do in this space. And she applied even the other principles earlier. She realized, you know what? This work is a gift of God. And I'm able to fully use my skills and abilities to directly impact God in this space. So because I am here, and because she did that, at least as far as I talked to her, she said she now has joy. It has been restored. What is the main message, friends, today? Work with? Let's say that with a little bit more joy. Work with? One more time. Work with? Right. Now, let's say the first point was be a joy giver. The second one, restore joy through gratitude. The third, enjoy work as God's gift. The final point is to press on. Your work will not provide you with joy until you find joy in the one who gave you work. And this is how I want to close with all of you. From your hearts, if you have never experienced the one source of joy who is Jesus, now is your chance to do that. Accept him as the Lord and the Savior of your life. Ask for forgiveness for the sins you have committed that have robbed you from the joy that he gives. And as you do that, you will be assured of experiencing his joy here and even to eternity. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning or even night or afternoon, wherever you're finding your people watching this online, on demand. We thank you that you are a sovereign God, that you love us, you are in control. And we thank you that you are the source of joy and that this joy will allow us to persevere, to overcome whatever challenges and trials we might be facing now or even into the future, whether it is in the workplace or anywhere else. And as we come to you now in prayer, we thank you that there is joy in the morning. You promised this to us. And as we pray this right now, there are friends and guests and relatives who might be with us who are hearing all of these things and are going through some things or are feeling lost and they realized 
They need the joy from you. And heart and mind right now, Father God, I want to come before you and I want to receive the joy from Jesus. Will you forgive me for all of my sins? I ask for your forgiveness right now. And as I humble myself and ask for your forgiveness, I open my hands and I receive what your son Jesus has done for me, paying for the price of my sins, dying on the cross. And as a result of this, allowing me to experience the joy that he gives me and the joy that will help me endure and persevere as well. Salamat po, Panginoong Diyos. Now we pray together the verses that are closing us off with Psalm 32, 10 to 12. Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you all.